0: This is Minnesota Liberty, brought to you by the Libertarian Party of Minnesota, bringing you peace, prosperity, and freedom from the land of 10,000 lakes. Before we uh, go meet our the person that we're going to interview today, uh, let's see. Joy, I guess I'll let you take over and talk about the uh, state fair.
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, so the Libertarian Party of Minnesota has a booth at the State Fair right next to the DNR live music stand. We're going to be there the whole, all 12 days. Um, If you want to be a part of our experience there, you can go online. um, And the link to volunteer is on our website. And it should also be in the description of this video here. Um, We have three awesome new shirt designs. And we are going to have boatloads of shirts to sell. So uh, if you want one of those shirts for yourself, come on down and buy one. Um, There might be a discount if you buy more than one at a time. And also, if you want an opportunity to grab one of those shirts without having to pay, sign up for multiple shifts. We'll see what we can do.
0: (laughs) Also, we have affiliate meetups coming up for CD6. At Bootleggers in Now then, Minnesota. CD2, oh, that's on August 3rd. CD2's August meetup is uh August 3rd also at 6 30 p.m. at Trigger's in Prior Lake, Minnesota. Beltrami County Affiliate is meeting in Bemidji at Bridget's Pub on August 19th at 7 p.m. And then we're also hosting a virtual meet and greet August 6th and August 20th at 8 o'clock um, through a Zoom link. So if you want to reach out to the to get the Zoom link, uh, it will be posted in like our Facebook group on our Discord, things like that, too. Or just get, um, you know, reach out to our email address and uh, somebody will send you a link there also. So and anyways, what time of
1: day is that uh, meet and greet?
0: Sundays, first and third Sundays of every month.
1: Um, and what time of 8 day?
0: 8 at m.
1: 8 p.m. 8 p- p- yep. yep. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so we are going to interview this evening, um, Phoenix, from Twin Cities Freedom Cell, and we're going to talk about agorism. So, hi, how's it going? (laughs) Great, thanks for uh, inviting me to join you today. Yeah, so I, you know, I had never heard the term of agorism before I joined the Libertarian Party, and um, that was a kind of a new idea to me. So. Why don't we start with just kind of, you know, describing like what agorism is and what that means and how you how you I, use it to, you know, identify yourself.
2: So I'll have to be honest with you. I hadn't heard of the term either before I joined Twin City Freedom Cells. Uh, the idea that as it was presented to me and maybe it's in the context of the Twin Cities is kind of how can you not only provide for yourself, but how can you provide and make products for others um, as a way to create a alternative source of income okay. that allows you to be independent of um, the current system. I don't know if that helps
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, explain. Uh, so, we had a conversation earlier about, um, you know, the weaknesses. We talked about some of the weaknesses in the current, the way the grid is currently set up. Um, so I guess maybe we should just start there. You like why? Why is it? Why is agorism even a necessary thing? And how can somebody who maybe also recognize? those weaknesses in the current grid or what those weaknesses actually are. Maybe we should just start with that.
2: Well, I think it's a lot of it's based on where you live. So being in the Twin Cities, it's uh, a community where you're in this center core, but then we have a lot of people in the suburbs. And then of course we have people who live out state and it seems like each one has its unique characteristics. Uh, so one of the things, I really, uh, you know, I've always grown my own food. I've always had a garden in the backyard. Uh, But the idea of what else can I do to, maybe not just food, but what other things can I do, not just to provide for my family, but to also provide for community. If they needed something, the skill sharing, I think that's a big thing, uh, which is where you get that confidence of, do I, you know, if something happens, do I have some skills that I can survive and get beyond? I'm not basically being forced to accept what handouts are being given by whoever's on this, you know, the street corner or the one with the, the sign going, come here, I'm gonna hand this to you. Can you do something on your own to survive on your um, and provide for your family, provide for your neighbors? just so you can remain independent. Um, so that's where, bringing that, especially into a city environment, was a great opportunity. I think that's kind of where we were starting our conversation of, you know, do we know what the scenario is? It could be something as much as uh, there's an electrical storm and it takes out our electrical system. Do we have a way to cook conclude- food? Um, if we need to have food, would we be able to recognize what food is in the backyard or right. in the city park? Right. Um, it's that sort of thing. And then kind of taking it to that next level is can I grow things in my front yard? Can I do some rogue planting in the city park where I have vegetables that could be used by anybody walking by? first yourself
0: do you have opportunity to like, is there, I'm, I'm not in the cities, obviously I'm up in North. So um, the city parks that you have, is there art, is there space within the city parks to actually be able to do that? Like grow, grow things and it be safe enough to, you know, actually have some sort of harvest.
2: What I would say, officially I'd probably say no <laughs> unofficially you know I mean just like anything else if you drop an apple you, you grab it, I don't know <laughs> um, but the idea is you know there's the parts that are manicured and maintained and I'm sure that they probably do put down the not going to want to put food that you might want to eat where you, there can be any chemicals or fertilizers. right? But, you know, there could be that path that's maybe off the, you know, farther back away from, you know, the picturesque part of the park. Or it could be maybe it's in the woods and people don't necessarily be able to find a plant like garlic or something that can handle shade a bit more um, in mm-hmm. that part of the of the walk, but if you know where that is, or you know to look for burdock or um, goldenrod, I mean, everyone, some of these things you don't necessarily have to do the rogue planting. Some of them is just, you recognize as a food source, like dandelion. Um, I mean, you don't need to be any special, but if you know what uses are dandelion for, and you can be any part of the park, you know that you have a food source there. So right. it's that part of the education process. But yes, if you want to put down raspberries, you want to put, um, you know, you do want to try to get an apple tree planted. Why not? I mean, the animals will more than happy, happily eat it too.
0: Yeah. So uh, just as a point of reference, you know, we're talking about some of these herbs and things and just, you know, 100% of a dandelion is edible. So, um, you know, if you're caught in a tough situation, I'm trying to figure out what kind of a scenario, I don't know, in my head, nothing comes to mind immediately where you might only have dandelions to eat, but you're fine because you can eat it all. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, and you might um, want that dandelion because it makes good coffee substitute. I haven't tried it yeah. yet, but it works.
0: <laughs> it's very bitter, actually. <laughs> it's tough. It's um, uh, it takes a little getting used to.
2: <laughs> yeah, but or if you can learn what chaga looks like, and that's like a, a a fungus that grows on a tree. So if you know what chaga looks like, I guess chaga coffee is a good substitute. So you know how we like our coffee. How we use so
0: yeah. So uh, you are part of. Twin Cities Freedom Cell, kind of, and yeah, so how does that group organize, how did it originate, what's it look like now, what kind of things do you do?
2: So the Freedom Cell idea came from, I believe it's Derek Burroughs, B-R-O-Z-E, and I don't remember how long ago he started the program. It was maybe 10 years ago. Uh, He started this, I think, in Texas. He lives in Mexico. Uh, So it's something that he started and sort of spread around the country. And the, the idea of the Freedom Cell initially was to say, okay, could there be, let's say, six to eight families who wanted to combine together to be that community so if there was something that you needed to have a community where there's connect with that you can provide the support that's needed. Because if there is a situation where things are broken, you need to know that you have, you don't want to do it alone. You want to do it with people. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the concept and then it's, it's spread around the country. I believe after um you know the shutdown with COVID, and people were really, people were starting to realize, okay, who who are our people? Who can I go to for this? Who is my new family? Because in many cases, people found that there's another conversation between their traditional family and those who were a little bit more. Young. And so when I discovered Freedom Cells. It was uh, about three years ago, 2020. And just connecting with people who are just like, we are a bit more independent minded. We want to be able to sustain ourselves when we realize we may have to find an alternative. Uh, Everything from food to money to, uh, you know, housing and community, where's that going to be? What's that going to look like? And then we had one uh, group that would meet every Tuesday. just would open up her office and there'd be a Tuesday meeting. Anyone could come. And then we would have quarterly meetings where we got to meet everybody in the Twin Cities and we all came together and we all shared some of what our skill sets were. And we started what's called an Agora, which is basically a marketplace. So people had produce or products that they wanted to present to the organization. We would have tables out and people could either learn more about that product or learn um, a new skill set or just purchase from that directly. So it's one where we're really um, bringing our skill sets to the community. And then with the goal of also teaching each other the life skills that are needed. Because one of the things I think came real clear is if you've been living in the city your entire life and it's generational, your parents did too, maybe even your grandparents, do you know how to grow a garden in your yard? Do you know how to start a fire? Do you know how to, um, you know, well, you know how to barter if you don't have money. So right. it's bringing together that conversation.
0: Yeah. And there is a lot of things like a lot of little things you didn't, you just don't realize that you don't know, you know, especially with right. gardening, gardening is, Actually, a kind of complex uh, hobby. <laughs> there is a lot to learn about gardening. Well, I, the first
2: event I had, it was kind of fun. It was a canning, it was making strawberry jam, and I, it was like, feel like, can we meet at your house. Are you gonna make us wear masks? Because <laughs> back in that day, right? And it's like, no masks, and yes, bring strawberries and bring jars. Okay. <laughs> Oh, well, we ended up spending like three hours just one batch of jam after the next batch of jam. We had probably 12 these there. Nice. All kinds of different mixtures of, I'm going to make jam with monk fruit. I'm going to make it with uh, maple syrup. I'm going to make it with full sugar. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was really great, but it was such an awesome time for us to just connect and talk. Because we probably haven't yeah. talked to people in a year. Yeah. It was awesome. It was really awesome. So uh, it was, you know, there's 12 women who know how to jam. And they may never, ever want to do it again, but they know how to do it now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and jam making is not, like, if you don't just stick things in a bowl and stir it up and you have jam. Like, there is an actual, like, almost a scientific process. You can screw it up. So.
2: Yes. Yeah. So. Yep. yep. Yeah, like I don't think, I don't recommend maple syrup and strawberries in you know. <laughs> jam.
0: Just, just putting it out there. No, we unless you try. Have, yeah, right. We have rhubarb that grows around our property. We have a lot of rhubarb. And so strawberry, rhubarb, jam. And, and you need less pectin because rhubarb has natural pectin in it. So it's kind of little, yeah. you know, little things like that learning. Yeah. Joey, do you uh, spend a lot of your free time making strawberry jam?
1: Uh, no, but my grandmother loves canning, actually.
0: That's actually, that's really nice. I bet you get some good things.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, fresh strawberry rhubarb jam. Oh, yeah. That that was really fun this, this late spring, early summer.
0: Yeah. You know, being from the South, rhubarb doesn't grow in the South. And Mm. so that's a a northern thing because you need cooler temperatures for rhubarb to do well. So I didn't grow up with rhubarb, but that is kind of a perk to living this far north. Got to say. But um, anyways, so canning, you do canning and gardening. And um, but you live in the cities.
2: I Um, do. I live in the suburbs. I don't live in the city. I live in the suburbs.
0: Okay. You know, up from up north perspective, everything south is the city. So I guess I need to. (laughs) That's just the way it is.
2: You don't live in the city.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So, but you also raise some animals.
2: I do. Um, cats and dogs, of course. And I ended up starting to raise rabbits, which I know everyone went, went into the kitchen, cra- the kitchen craze, the chicken craze. And I'm like, I'm going to do rabbits because I just have to be different. Um, so I started out with a pair of uh, Rex rabbits. Mm-hmm. And then someone saw I was doing a good job with them. And they said, I have some New Zealand It sounds like, okay, now I think I'm up to 20 rabbits in my yard. And I was hoping to be able to show you them instead of being indoors tonight. No
0: chance of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to figure that out for the podcast. Maybe, like, um, you know, take video in advance and then, um, you know, figure out how to attach it or something. Because that would be neat to see, you know, the setup and the animals and that kind of stuff. And rabbits reproduce rather quickly if you're not paying careful attention. So I can it's easy to get up to twenty.
2: I learned that this spring.
0: <laughs> yeah. I can learn you can get pregnant and still be pregnant. That, that I didn't know. <laughs> can you?
2: I learned that one the hard way.
0: I, yeah, my I, didn't my,
2: I didn't know that my rabbit was pregnant, so I bred her. And then the next day she had babies. Now, let's talk about having babies fast. That's really fast. Um, but it turns out she apparently got out a month prior because it's like 30 days. is 30 days. Um, so I had the idea she was pregnant. And for me to have like a litter of four show up. And then I'm like, I just bred you yesterday. And then a month later she had a litter of eight. I had 12 rabbits, like, bam, all at once. And I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's not like you can look at a rabbit either and just be like, oh, you're obviously pregnant. So, you know, there's no, there's not really any outward signs that that's the case. That I not really.
2: Days. Not really. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, you got to count your days.
0: Yeah so the what are the benefits that you have with having rabbits
2: the biggest one i have right now is they're mowing my lawn and they're fertilizing all at once so mm-hmm. it's, um, so i have them in what's called a tractor which sounds kind of funny because you think of a tractor that's the machine that pulls other things that you know around but it's for animals, it's a, um, it's a cage that you can move around, and so I'm able to move the rabbits every day, multiple times a day, and so they're constantly getting new grass every day, and then obviously, I don't need to fertilize. Um, come this spring, it was really awesome because I had lots of bunny gold, as I like to call it. Um, available for the people who are like, I want to start a garden. It's like, well, you know, you this is probably some of the best um, because it, it's a, what's called a cold manure. Not to get into great detail on this, but um, it basically you don't need to treat it. You don't need to have it decompose a bit. Other animal manures you have to, I think, let it decompose for a few months, if not a season. Um, this one you can just put right in the garden and it, you know, starts really juicing up the, the garden a lot and to the extent where I took pictures of my garden this spring, my corn was, you know, they see knee high at 4th of July for corn, at least here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I took a picture on 4th of July and my corn was, uh, I'm not standing, but, you know, I think it was 6 to 7 feet tall. Wow,
0: was by 4th of July?
2: Yeah. By 4th of July, yeah. It was <laughs> really crazy high like, whoa, what happened? Now I could also say that's due to the uh, electric culture that we were doing, but I'm going to say it's due to the bunny gold.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know I, around here, I thought that, cause we had a, a warm spring, um, when it, and it was night, we got a good amount of rain. So we had that. And then the, the temperatures were ideal for growing corn. And so ours was like, it was definitely knee high, but it was, you know, more like hip high. So when you were saying, mm-hmm. oh, it's probably I wasn't expecting that tall. That's that's pretty good. That's a lot of size. Yeah, people, I was, I was like, wow. Better. Yeah,
2: I was like, wow. It really. I mean, yes, we had a great spring and great temperatures, lots of sun. I wasn't expecting that. So, um, yeah, Our bunnies make the best bunny gold ever. <laughs> Come buy your bunny gold from me at the next Freedom Cell Gathering. I'm te- I'm teasing.
0: Well, I mean, you know, that's it's a good. People can come and scoop it up in buckets, and it is a, a nice thing to trade. Especially if you want a good garden, you know, you need the compost and the manure for the garden, and yeah, yeah. it is one of the things that makes it, um, you know, uh, fruitful. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so look, and I don't I was think just we, gonna, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna share a second
2: story if you don't mind. Um, no it's so one of the things one of the things I'm having a, a challenge with with the rabbits is getting people to say what is rabbit meat because we we know that it's one of the healthiest meats out there, but no, people are going, like, well if I don't know how to cook it, I'm not gonna get it so this spring in may when we did our quarterly meeting one of the people said i know how to make and i'm always mispronouncing this so my apologies i think it's called paella something like that it's a um, it's a european dish where they cook it outdoors on a um open fire or a propane tank um, burner on like a big 12 inch 14 inch platter and it's something you, you make outdoors. And it's the rabbit meat grilled, and then it's and rice and, you know, the sauce of the, um, the rabbit meat and it was phenomenal. And so it was great, um, great opportunity to try something new But then to realize that this is a meal that you need to be making something outdoors because you don't have power and you find yourself a rabbit you know what do you do you can feed your family so it was something that was a real skill it was using something that was very natural um and it was it was great to be able to feed so many people. I think we probably had fifty people at that gathering, so I fed a lot nice. of people. Yeah, yeah.
0: Were they able to use your rabbits, or were they sourced them someplace else?
2: No, I, I donated a rabbit so we could try to see what what does this look like. So um, yeah. Yeah, everyone got a little bit of rabbit, but it was yeah. Everyone got to taste what what rabbit, which
0: is the whole point. Yeah. So when it comes to seasoning things, what is your like what's your mixture of choice? What do you go to first?
2: For seasonings, obviously garlic and onion. Um mm-hmm. but I have an herb garden. I also um so I have you know, put herbs into my garden, so I'm trying to think of what I can use. I've been learning some more about medicines lately, which has been kind of fun. So I'm actually, in a couple weeks, I'm going to be hosting a class in my backyard going, okay, do a scavenger hunt of a backyard, and let's see if people can discover which plants in your backyard you can either eat, make a tea out of, or turn into medicine. Mm -hmm. And absolutely fascinating, but just the things that are in our yard that we think we have to chill uh, um, removed to make our gardens healthy when in fact those are the very plants you want to keep in your yard probably over the grass that you have and for people in the city that's like transformative and um, I was talking to another member and she was like you know I think I need to like plant these put signs out so when people are walking by my front yard they could just say, you know, I'm having this problem. Maybe I can just grab uh, this item and obviously and just like canning, you have to learn how to process these things. But if you know what that process is, you get that medicine for free. And right. it may not have the side effects of medication. For example, um, wild lettuce. So if you properly identify wild lettuce, that's the big thing because there's multiple things that look a lot like it. Um, But that's called the, it's called wild um, natural opium. And it doesn't have the side effects of opium, but it's a sleep agent and a pain agent. And it's right there in your backyard. It's an old Indian remedy that we just don't even consider anymore as being a a viable solution for medicine. And it's everywhere in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, I was just um, Googling pictures of it. Kind of looks like a, um, almost like the leaves from a dandelion, but without the dandelion kind of round and low to the ground. And And it gets
2: really tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has spines on the The reason how you recognize it has spines typically underneath the leaves so you think of a lot of thistle um there'll be spines on the outside of the leaves yep but this one has a spine it's underneath the leaves and they, they can get to be very tall they do have yellow flowers just like dandelion actually they just got done blooming um but yeah if you collect those and then I put it in a crock pot and three days later, it's not an easy process. Just any amount of syrup, but that stuff is, doesn't take much. So um, yeah. it was very concentrated. Yeah.
0: So do you use like water and sugar to make a syrup or does it just cook down naturally? Or how do you do that in the crock pot?
2: Yeah. In the crock pot, actually you, um, Cook it down in the crock pot until maybe it's, you know, maybe a half inch of water is left and you transfer it into a saucepan. And then you cook that down until it almost looks like, let's uh, say, like Hershey's chocolate syrup. And when it gets to that consistency, and the thing is, you can't let it boil. That's the biggest thing. If you let the mixture boil at any time, it ruins the recipe. So it has to just get a real low simmer the entire time. Um, so it's really, it's, it's easy until like the last hour and then the last hour, you really have to watch it and make sure that it gets condensed down. Um, and then it sticks real quick. So sometimes you have to add a little water back in just so you can get it out of the pan. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, if you, you know, if you need a pain medication or you need a sleep aid, this stuff is pretty potent.
0: So when do you pick it, before or after flowering, or does it matter?
2: I picked mine right before flowering. Um, I think there's some right now that haven't flowered yet. Um, but honestly, I, I think you could probably do it after flowering, too. I, I mean, it's, it's bitter regardless. Um, but when you, so when you, if you do take it, um, you may want to just take a little bit and put it in a cup of tea with some lemon or um, honey because it is very bitter. Um, but also you could dry the leaves instead. Um, it's not going to be as potent or you can make a, uh, a tincture out of it with vodka. So that's the other option.
0: Um, so when you started learning this kind of stuff, what was your, like, you know, I feel like there's, um, you know, this happens in stages to people, you know, they're like, oh, I can do this. And then they like conquer that. And then they go to the next thing. And they just, it's kind of like this, you know, boulder that starts rolling and you can't really. um, So where did that all start with like the herbal stuff for you? Where was, how did you get into that initially?
2: So I went to a freedom cell meeting and there, that's actually the idea. We got to see some, um, an herbalist was, uh, doing a show and she, she, she gave me the secret that if you are allergic to bee stings to find wild plantain
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I'm allergic to bee stings, um, and I was like, oh, no, there's no way. Just wild plantain in my backyard. And I don't know if you know what wild plantain is, but it's a common weed. It's it's shaped, the leaves are shaped kind of like, I'm sorry, cover my face up, maybe down here. Um, so it's kind of tear shaped of sorts with like really distinctive um, line. Uh, what are they? The lines in the middle of the leaf. Okay, you can tell I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a botanist, um, but you find them in the the yard if it's not treated. Um, and it turns out if you just take it and you take a leaf and you chew it and then you take the chewed up part and just put it right on the bee sting or the, or the horsefly or whatever the, you know, even I think a snake bite, it can probably, what it does is it pulls the toxins out of your body. And, um, and I did that last year when I got stung and of course I was like, okay, I'm ready to go to the emergency room, but let me just try this in the meantime. And it was like, it took away the the swelling. It was like, wow, it works. Wow. I was like shocked. So now my wild plantain plant is my most prized possession in my yard. Yeah.
0: did Did you still end up going to the ER that time? No, you were fine, yeah. Well. Wow. yeah, because right now is the season, at least up north, where the yellow jackets are starting to be um out and, and they're very aggressive, so yeah. that's gonna store that information away, um, yeah. And
2: who's running around with the EpiPen, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not after okay. the
0: Last price, uh, Ike. Oh
2: yeah it's unreal unreal
0: yeah so you do gardening and herbal stuff and and you take and you raise rabbits um there was something else oh the freedom cell we talked about that um so you know you and you make jam that's so what is something that you would like to learn that you haven't yet or is there a, a rather extensive list in some place? <laughs>
2: well, one thing I probably need to learn is self-defense. And we do have somebody that does do classes on self-defense. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's there's always something else. And then I think even the whole conversation about um, sovereignty, mm-hmm. how do we stand up for ourselves and um become sovereign individuals again and you know the whole straw man conversation how do we legally do that
1: that's a huge
2: conversation that i think that's going to just be an ongoing um class for me to keep learning what does that mean and how do we maintain that how do we promote it Um, because i'm trying to provide that to my my clients because i actually have a business Outside of this. Um, so, how do I pass that message and that support on to my clients too?
0: So, besides like with the independent stuff and you're self employed, yeah, um, and those ways that you exercise your sovereignty, what would be some advice you would give people that are maybe watching this for the first time? They're like, oh, I can do, you know, that sounds really great. I would like to get into this and start exercising their own. Where would mm-hmm. be a good place for them to start, in your opinion?
2: Personally, I think finding other like-minded people is the best place to go. I mean, obviously, there's books, and you can do research online and things like that. But I think being in community and being able to talk to people about what is their experience been, because it can be very lonely going through this process and trying something new. Mm-hmm. And if you know that there's other people who are maybe along the same path, maybe they're a little farther along, but then you get the encouragement. Then you get the um, guidance and the advice. Because um, then the idea is you can maybe avoid some of their pitfalls or um, you can then get that that you know that validation that you're doing it exactly right. This is what it looks like. Um, because sometimes it can be really hard. And if you're trying something new for the first time, and you don't have success, do you just stop? And so being in community will keep you ideally engaged and keep you trying again.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm always of the mindset of, you know, pay it forward.
0: Right. Yeah, I, so um, I think that there can be, and maybe the perception isn't necessarily... Wrong, But that when, um, you know, because it's kind of an internal thing. So like the perception of from being outside the community, when you're talking about being independent, there are some people that interpret that as you're being independent for yourself. And they just kind of jump to that conclusion that you're not going to include anybody else and you're not going to think about anybody else. And so there's this assumption that you insulate yourself from everybody else. And that's not necessarily true at all. Like you know, within the community, within what I've found is that there are a lot of people who really want that connection with others. They're willing to you know share and reach out, and um, you know, and I think a lot of people that do this kind of stuff are just excited about it, too. And so when you're excited about something, that just kind of comes out, whether you want it to or not, right? You know, because it's a passion. Right. Would that be um, maybe a fair assessment inside, like, your guys' group and that kind of?
2: I, I, We do have people who are more the teachers, and we yeah. have the people who are more the students, and then we have a lot of observers. <laughs> um, but you never know when that moment's going to – that fire is going to be lit. Mm-hmm. But knowing that you're in a community and, I mean – I'll just put out an example I mean someone today just said my. um, The window of my car. won't go up and I need to get that fixed like now, is there someone in the Community who's mechanically minded that I can contact to help out with fixing my car it's an emergency. I think if that person a year ago wasn't part of the group, he never would have asked anything. he had been like, oh, I'm stuck with having to go to the local mechanic and pay however much. But the first reaction is who's in the community that I can help request help from for something like fixing the window of my car.
0: Yeah. And uh, I found that there's a lot of people that are willing to, you know, exercise their skills. Mm hmm. Um, so we talked about a book earlier when we were talking on the phone and I can't remember the name of the book. <laughs> so you're going to have to remind me. Um, I wish I had it. <laughs>
2: it's, called, it's called skip, which is skills to inherit property. And don't ask me who it's by. I'm gonna it. <laughs> I am don't remember. <laughs> um, But the idea behind this book, it's originally written for people who are farmers and transferring their property to someone else who has the skills to do farming as well. Uh, So a lot of homesteaders might really like to find this book because it uses a badge style um, system to be able to test what are your skills. So everything from canning to, um, you know, woodworking to, you know, fixing plumbing or caring for animals, you know, all the skill sets that's needed to live on a homestead, it could be introduction to being proficient, you know, could you build a rocket stove. And because that's the idea is if you have if you are a farmer, you have land, you would like to be able to pass that land on to somebody else, because sometimes these farms are going because if they don't have family members to pass it on to, they go for the unpaid taxes. So companies are coming in and getting that land for a steal and who knows what they're going to turn into another golf course or, you know, a new uh storage facility or or something else and so that land that we have that our family farms is getting disappearing um so is there a way we can get people to connecting with farmers they have the skill sets the farmers are going to be confident that whoever they pass the land on to will care for that land um so absolutely fascinated by this book i think it's brilliant um, uh, but then I wanted to kind of twist it a little bit. I've never, I haven't talked to the owners to see if I can do that without, you know, taking their idea from them. But I think it's a great idea is could we modify that for city living? So could there be homeowners who have a home? And as and this is my passion area, my business area, um, you know, older seniors, in lieu of caregiving, And home maintenance, could families live with seniors and with that same idea of passing on the home to that next generation? Um, Obviously, there's a lot of complexity here. There's making sure that there's, you know, good compatibility between the, the people. But that idea of could we transfer property in a new way? So it's not, doesn't have to be sold to the highest bidder. But could we and then could we use that as to get families in a safer community than what they might be currently living in?
0: Yeah. And uh, in regards to, um, you know, moving on to a farm and working on a farm, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we had talked about earlier was that the disconnect in between, you know, the current generations, And the generations that grew up on the farm, there's been, there's just been, well, I mean, it's just a disconnect, you know, like the, there were generations that rejected the idea of maintaining the family farm and just walked away for the sake of simplicity, ease, city life. Mm -hmm. But so skills and knowledge and wisdom that would have been passed down simply by, you know, working side by side with your parents who, kept the farm going so that you could keep the farm going someday has just been lost. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of people like ourselves um, that are, you know, trying to regain that back, but without the advantage of having a person to go to that can just share it, you know, Mm -hmm. having to search for it is a lot more challenging because then you do go through the trial and um, a lot of failures because there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Oh yeah, um, and farmland right now is just—I mean, who can afford it? It's it's extraordinary.
2: Unless you get the unless you get the tax, you know, those like yeah. get foreclosed land. Uh, but then you're going up against some pretty deep pockets too, because they that farmland is highly sought after right now. So having a connection in with an existing farmer, being able to apprentice out with them would be phenomenal um so then you do learn those skill sets and then they have that relationship with you and then they can choose and that's what i'm trying to do with my business is how do you choose to create your legacy instead of just letting a legacy happen how do you actively choose what that legacy is going to be so it's um it's it's not easy it's definitely going against the current process of how things are being done
0: Yeah, well, the current system makes people dependent on the system. I mean, it's it uh, needs. It's getting you know. It requires us to be dependent, which is just propping it up. So there's no motive for the system to allow any sort of opportunity for independence from regular folk, um, Mm -hmm. because that would deteriorate the base of the system. So I don't. I don't know. I mean. How do we, how do we, as like a people, you know, get past that? How do we overcome that? You know, I don't, am not sure there's a good answer, but what, what comes to your mind first?
2: Well, I got a book. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
2: It's again, I think it's still about being in community and talking. And trying and experimenting and failing and getting back up and trying again. I mean, that's the best thing I can say um, is to try to find a community to really connect in with and seeing how, like I said, that idea of paying it forward instead of waiting for it to come to me, you know, when's my ship going to come in going, okay, if I can build a ship, where can I send it? What can I give? Um, what can I plant back to that idea of planting something, not so you can harvest it, but so others can harvest. Uh, I mean, I think truly it's getting our attention, not on ourselves. Cause I think that right there is sort of the lie we've been told yeah. as you need to take for yourself. And then we'll give to you what we, we think you're, you need instead of saying, okay, you have talents and gifts and it's by you sharing those talents and gifts with others so they can get what they need and do it freely i mean it always comes back and that's the cool thing about life it always comes back tenfold in in ways that you didn't know you had that need but it always comes back so your needs actually are met even though you're giving away everything you have yeah it's it's one of those great things about you know those paradoxes of life
0: I remember when we uh, we moved on to our farm because we used to be in a suburban neighborhood, and kind of got the the farm bug. Um, that I, I think there's a resurgence of that, right? So you see a lot of people um, my age and younger that are just kind of you know realizing that the the system in place is not meant for our benefit and our. Going and I, I see them like on, um, you know, Instagram and you know, so social media, that kind of stuff. And it's kind of encouraging seeing all these people, younger people, rejecting what the system says is necessary and, um, going to be, you know, good for them. So then they're rejecting that idea. Um, and I remember, so we got that, I caught that early on. Uh, chickens was my gateway animal, that's how it started for us. And uh, I think that's how it starts for a lot of people. Um, and uh, we, so we ended up, you know, on we had the advantage, or you know, we're given a couple of acres by my husband's family, and we sought out to build a barn right away. And we had I put out just like at our church that we were building a barn on this day, and we probably had twenty people show up. Oh, and that's right, great the posts and the beams and the walls all up in just one 24 hour period. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, to see, But that kind of, you know, mentality and community and really it's, you know, like the epitome of love, you know, loving your neighbor, loving your, um, the people that are around you just by those, you know, small acts just showing up. It's, it's mm-hmm. it was really neat. So. Yeah.
2: And it's, um, And that memory and but that's also what I'm saying is, and then you think of if you have a family, what lesson did you just teach them without having them read it in a book. Right. You know that passing that legacy passing that lesson on that is that's I mean that's you can't you can't put a. You know, a price tag on that at all.
0: Mm -mm. Um. Well, we have a few minutes left. I know, Joey, I keep at meaning to ask you if you had any thoughts or questions, but then I just kept on talking. So. Uh,
1: no, no, no. You guys, you guys have it covered. Um, uh, before we let everyone go, uh, it's important to remind everyone that if you want to become a member of the party, uh, the link to do so is, should be in the description of the video. It's also uh, L- on lpmn.org, uh, become a member.
0: Okay. Well, Phoenix, thank you very much for coming and telling us a little bit about what you do. I'm sure it's just, you know, scratching the surface on, um, you know, what the future holds or what it can look like. And, you know, having what other people where they might take this, uh, which is totally up to them. And there's just so much possibility. So appreciate it very much.
2: And thank you so much for inviting me and Joey saying, okay, I need someone to speak.
0: (laughs) So, all right. So if you want to join the Libertarian Party and become, you know, part of the independent, liberty minded future and reject what uh, everybody's kind of always said is right, then um, at least for the political side of it, lpmn.org and, uh, you know, get in touch with some people that think just like you do. So thank you very much. And we will um, see you next week. Of it, lpmn.org, and uh, you know, get in touch with some people that think just like you do. So, thank you very much, and we will um, see you next week.